0: Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church Podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. So we've been in a long series, but I'm just warming up. Now, this is the last one of the series. But in, a, in about a month or so, we are going to get into a different series that is going to take us on a journey. And I'm really excited about that one. I mean, I'm always excited to talk. You know, I talk too much. But um, in, in about a month or so, we're going to get into a series. It's called uh, The Pursuit. And it's not about our name. It's about The Pursuit of God and it's a 10 week series on going after the presence of God and pursuing God and hearing his voice. So if you think that you're doing that now while you're on your fast, okay, just get ready. Cause when the fast is over, that's when the journey really starts. Amen. That's when, that's when the passion really builds. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. But in between that, we got some great stuff to share with you. Gilbert's gonna be preaching soon. It's going to be good, so uh, just stay tuned. But today we are going to conclude the Happy Days series. Have you all learned something during this series? Have you gained something? My hope and my prayer is that you don't just learn it, but you apply it. That you don't just hear it, but you do it. And so what we have seen throughout the Happy Days series is what the early church went through, what the apostles went through, what the disciples went through how they sacrificed themselves, they laid down their life for the sake of the gospel and they did whatever they had to to make sure the message was heard and they didn't do it on their own strength. What gave them that strength to do it? Spirit of God. See, remember something, whatever you do for God, if you do it on your own strength, you're doing it wrong. Whatever you do for God, I don't care if it's picking up trash in the parking lot, whatever you do for God, if you do it to your own ability, your own strength, you're missing the point. All that you do, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. That means that you need him to help you in the process, right? And so that means these men exemplified that the reason they were able to give their lives is because they had such a hunger such a fire such a passion that it drove them to that end they did not waver they did not back down when death was the only option left in fact they welcomed it right paul said it like this to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He knew that in this life, I get to experience God here on this earth. I get to have Jesus with me here and now. But if I ever die, if I'm ever killed, whenever that day comes, it's even better for me because I get to be in the presence of Jesus himself. You can't shut down a group like that. And that's what I'm trying to convey in this series is that we have to be a people that the enemy can't shut down because we're not leaning on our own understanding and on our own strength. We're leaning on him and on him alone. Does that make sense? So I want to open up by the way, if you want to follow along uh, with the notes, you can just text sermons to the number 94,000. If you do that, just text the word sermons to 94,000. You can follow along with our notes today. Welcome this morning, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Our, Our subtitle for the message this morning is God is in control, amen? God is in control. I don't know about you, but if you look around in the world right now, Even maybe some of you in your own life, you might think that things are out of control. You might think that things are just not how they should be. Let me tell you something, God is in control. When the early church faced persecution, they had to understand that in the midst of that, God is in control when they were being dragged and beaten and taken away and told that everything that they were teaching was heresy and false and wrong, they had to understand, not just with their mind, but in their spirit, that God is in control. And so many times in our life, the struggles come, the chaos comes, the family drama comes, and we start seeing everything's out of control and you have to declare no matter what, that God is in control. So we're going to talk about how much God is in control this morning. Amen. Let's read Philippians 4. Verse four through seven, it says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that it's your voice that is heard today, that it's your word that is heard today, not me, not mine. I pray that you speak, Lord, that you would help us to have ears to hear and understanding of what you want to share with us. Let your presence just be in this room constantly and let your spirit help us understand and gain wisdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I love how this opens up. I'm a person that even when I'm having a really bad day, I put a smile on because I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, when I read that scripture, I took it to heart, man. The only place I find strength is with the joy of the Lord. Some people let their joy get disrupted by the most minute things and disruptions in life. I'm telling you, if you learn that your joy is the strength, it will never get disrupted. And we're gonna learn more about that. So I love how it opens up. It says rejoice in the Lord always. What is that word always there for? Because he's telling you, look, some hard stuff's coming. Some crazy stuff's coming and you need to learn how to rejoice even in the hard stuff. You need to learn how to rejoice when you're getting attacked and persecuted. You need to learn how to rejoice when all the world seems broken. And then he says, again, I say, rejoice. Whenever you see something repeated like that in the Bible, that is God putting an extra emphasis on the fact that most people miss it the first time around. Anybody there with me? I've missed it several times the first time around. And so I love it when scripture repeats itself right after it just said it, right? Cause he's saying, look, you need to rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your reason be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Man, this little segment of scripture right here can sum up our generation and what we need to hear. Everyone is is tagged with anxiety now. Everybody's got anxiety. Every child's got anxiety. Every adult has anxiety. Man, our president's got anxiety. You know, like everybody's got it, right? Why? Because the enemy loves to use words like that to label you when God says, no, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not. He starts off with rejoice and then immediately attacks this idea of anxiety. You think anxiety is a new thing like they just discovered it? It's an old demon. It's an old spirit that tries to convince you that you're worthless. It tries to convince you that you're not good enough. It tries to convince you that you can't handle it, that you can't survive this, that you can't get anywhere that you're always going to be like this. No, 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 no. That's why he opens up with a rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice, do not be anxious. What is the cure for your anxiety? Joy, rejoicing in the Lord. That's where the strength comes, right? So then he says, but in everything, everybody say everything. Do it better, say everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see, I'm convinced, this is just me, my opinion, that people get anxiety because they stopped praying first. I've been there. I've been there. I've had one of those attacks before and I remember and I recall, I stopped giving this to God. I started doing it my own way. I started trying to handle it because I got this and I'm the man and I can handle this. You can't handle this. You can't handle this life on your own. That's why you need the spirit of God. We're just humans. We're just clay. The spirit of God is what gives us life. And when we forget that, we stop praying. And so he says, Forget the anxiety, but in everything, pray in everything. I don't care how small the detail is of your life. He cares about the smallest thing of your life. This idea that God is distant and uninvolved is so false. He's here right now in the midst of your chaos saying, I am still with you because I am still in control. If you would just pray. Let your request be made known to God. Listen, some of you haven't truly prayed in a long time. And I'm hoping that during the time that we're fasting here, that you reignite that fire. You reignite that desire to pray because it's not just you mumbling through time. It's you going, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart. This is what's really going on in my life. And you release all the angst. You release the frustration. You release the pain. You release the anger. You release the hatred and the unforgiveness. And when all that stuff begins to cease, you're left with you and God alone. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I love the progression of the scripture. It starts off with rejoicing. Then he says, get rid of the anxiety. Don't Don't put any attention on that anxiety, but instead pray. So rejoice, ignore anxiety, pray. And then the end result is, and the peace of God will come. And when the peace of God arrives, it guards your heart so that anxiety doesn't come back, so that fear doesn't come back, that hatred, that bitterness that wants to creep up in you doesn't come back. Man, if you're battling that this morning, my challenge to you is put the anxiety away and start to rejoice, start to pray, start to give your praises to the Lord. So I wanna talk about a few bullet points here real quick. It's in your notes and it'll be on the screen. I wanna talk about a few attributes of God. First, he's omnipotent. And these are my really condensed definitions. They can get real complex, but these are my real condensed definitions. First of all, he's omnipotent. God has unlimited power. He can do absolutely anything and everything at any moment, at any time. There is no limit to his power. Power Rangers ain't got nothing on him. He's omniscient, which means he has unlimited knowledge. He knows absolutely everything about you. The Bible says he has your hairs of your head counted, not just the ones you got now, because some of y'all have less like me than what you had last week. All right? No, 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 no. See, some of y'all didn't even recognize me this morning. They said, who that ball brother up there? He knows every head that was ever on your head since birth. Unlimited knowledge. He knows everything about you. He knows every need you have. He knows every concern, every heartbreak, every failure, every issue, every piece of you, every beautiful spot, every dark spot, every, everything you hide, everything you reveal. He knows it all. And that's just about you. He has unlimited knowledge, the omniscience of God. And then he has, he's omnipresent, which means, and most typical definition means he's everywhere at once. But I like to say that's a possibility for an unlimited encounter. Because if he's everywhere at once, then that means while you're at work, he's there with you too. And you can be with him too. I know it's hard sometimes. I know life gets busy. I know chaos just seems to erupt at the wrong moments, right? When you need things to go smooth, it's like the opposite happens, right? But that is where God is still in control. So then we have all these things. We have the omnipotence, the omniscience and the omnipresence of God but I want us to understand a little bit deeper. I want us to understand the manifest presence of God. See, the manifest presence of God is the unlimited awareness that we have of God. See, God is already unlimited, has unlimited awareness about you. But when you have the manifest presence of God, you have the unlimited awareness of God, meaning, I know he's here, but I don't just know it. Now I can sense it. Now I can feel it. It's of God. It's like when you feel a blanket covering you. That's how the presence of God can come and cover you and be with you and dwell with you. You see this throughout scripture. You see situations like Moses of course, Adam and Eve, they, they literally felt God move in the garden before he ever spoke. Think about that for a second. They knew he was there because they could hear him walking. That's the manifest presence of God. And believe it or not, we can have that where you don't just go, thank you, God, for being a part of my life, but you go, Whoa. I feel you with me right now. And it's not an emotional feeling. It actually physiologically changes you. You can feel him at times. And that's where he wants us to be. That's where he wants us to dwell. The omnipresence of God can exist without our awareness, but the manifest presence cannot. See, God is where He is at all times, whether we recognize it or not. But when the manifest presence is in our lives, we have no choice but to be aware of Him. You have no choice in the moment. You know when you're in the manifest presence of God, when you have no choice but to put your attention on Him. I had one of those moments this week. (laughs) These old, stupid chairs that were here, (laughs) the yellow chairs. I'm going to tell you the quick story about it because it's pretty funny. How many of y'all know I hated those chairs? Yeah. Okay. Some of y'all that clean yet, y'all hate those chairs. Oh my gosh. They were stuck in the sixties or something. It's like the sixties threw up in here. You know, um, they were bolted to the ground. There were 180 chairs altogether. Yeah, it didn't really look like that, but that's how many chairs there were. 180 chairs in rows, some in six, five, eight different sections. And they were all connected, right? And they were metal. They were mustard yellow. They were disgusting. Canary, whatever, vomit. Um, And I wanted to get rid of them so bad because I wanted this place to look a little better for Easter, right? Easter's coming up and I wanted it to look a little better. And so I was like, man, I gotta get rid of these chairs. I hate these chairs. They're just the bane of my existence. My kids play on them and fall and think it's funny. They make noise. I don't fit in the chair. I need to get rid of this chair. Anybody feel me this morning? So many people convinced me that if I put them on Facebook, they would sell. I said, you're crazy. I'm going to find a way to just get them out. I was going to pay people. I kid you not. I was going to pay people. So how much I hated them. To come rip them out and take them to the dump or to the, the place where you get metal, you know, scrap metal. And then we were going to split how much they gave us for the scrap metal. And I was like, Psh, man, if I get a hundred bucks, I'm happy. I don't care. Get them out of here. You know, like you can keep the rest. Just get them out of here. But then people were like, no, you got to put them for sale. They were like, trust me. And believe it or not, it was the Mexican pastor, you know, that said, man, some Mexican church is going to want those chairs. I said, man, you crazy, man. Nobody's going to want these chairs. Man, he was so right. He was so right. I put them for sale on Facebook. And that day I got 500 messages. I was like. What is going on? Yeah, that's what I'm what? They're disgusting. I had a church from Arkansas trying to drive down here and get them. I was like, man, that's a long way. You can just have them, homie. Like, that's a long way. I said, but you're going to need a semi-truck. It's a lot of chairs. And then someone messaged me from the valley, a Spanish church. And they said, how much for all of them? Because I put them up $50 a row. I was just trying to get them out. They said, how much for all of them? I was like, well, it's like 1300 something bucks. That's, you know, they said, well, will you take a thousand? Like, are you real? I really want these chairs. Yes, I'll take a are thousand. Are you a robot? Like, are you real? I'll take a thousand, sure. But you're gonna have to come with a bunch of trailers because it's a lot of chairs. And then I find out later, they don't speak English. And I don't speak Spanish. So I had Iris on the phone with me when they showed up. And they were like, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I was like, $1,000, good? Get out, Okay, let's go. And I won't bore you with all the details, but they didn't bring guys that knew how to lift anything. Oh, my gosh. So here we are. I'm trying to help them pull them out. And they're like winded. I'm like, I'm the one Fasting. What is wrong with y'all? They were over there. Oh, yeah. They drank all my water. I was like, That's... the worship team don't even have no water because of them. I was like, what is wrong with y'all, man? And they paid me. And I was like, is this real money? Because I thought they were going to bring pesos or something. I was like, do they understand? It's, it's $1,000. And then Iris was like, no. I even asked her, they understand it's not pesos, right? <laughs> She said, no, $1,000. I was like, okay. I gave him a receipt and everything. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, man, where's Carol? We need her. (laughs) She just got it. (laughs) Oh, man. And so they left, and I was like, dang it. They took all the chairs. That's awesome. Then I went through the laboring process of killing all the bolts that were sticking. There were 720 bolts sticking out of the ground. So we had to grind them down, hammer them down. And then we were like, what are we going to do with the floor? It looks disgusting. All the rust, I couldn't get it up. All the rust and stuff around. I was like, what are we going to do with the floor? I was like, well, they paid us money. I guess we could do something. And everything was expensive. I was like, oh, I don't want to spend more money. And I'm sitting here and I was like, oh, what about the carpet? We have extra carpet, that nasty carpet that's upstairs. <laughs> so said, we got more, but we didn't have enough to cover the floor. So I was like, man. So I'm sitting here going, Cheryl, and I'm texting her. We don't have enough carpet. We need to buy something to put down on this floor. It's disgusting. We need something. I don't know what to do. I don't want to spend the money. And then I get a phone call. And somebody's at the door. They're saying, hey, we're at the door. I'm like, oh, okay. I I opened up the door. They said, can we schedule a tour of the church? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. I'll show you around. I showed them around. We get in here and they're like, what are you going to do about the floor? (laughs) I said, well, I'm trying to figure that out right now. They said, well, how much do you think it will cost to, you know, fix it? I said, if I get like the cheapest carpet I can find, 500 bucks. And we can do it ourselves. They said, they got on the phone, here's the money. I said, what? And I'm sitting here going, oh, I ripped out the chairs. They're gone, but now I got this problem. And I'm, I'm like frustrated and I'm angry. And I'm like, oh, this floor is disgusting. I wish I would have just left the chairs, you know. And then God reminds me that he's in control. And these people showed up. I had no idea they were coming, they had no idea what was going on. And they said, here is the $500 to fix the floor. So now you have this carpet, don't look too hard, it's not that nice. There's some seams there and there, you might wanna watch out with the vacuum, okay? But it was just a reminder because I was over there where kind of Iris is, (laughs) back there at that pillar and I was exhausted I was grinding the bolts, which took two days. (laughs) I was grinding the bolts and I like almost passed out and I laid on the carpet and I had my music on the whole time. And I swear this one song I've had on repeat for like a week. It just hasn't stopped playing. We played it this morning during prayer. It's just been on repeat, repeat, repeat. And I had that moment back there just on the carpet, just, laying there just going, whoa, you're here. Like, you're here. Like, I I don't just know that you're here, like I can feel that you're here. And he just reminded me so many times this week how in control he is and how all this is temporary. We do our best, we make it, we give God our best That's what we do here. That's what we value, excellence. We do what we can to give God our very best. But in the end, what he ultimately wants is us. And I was laying there on the nasty floor, just in awe of the presence of God. And I I was reminded in that moment because I had already kind of got my message together. I was reminded in that moment, you need to talk about my manifest presence when I'm actually there in the room where you can sense and feel me, not just know it, not just, you know, where it's mental, no, no, no. It's much deeper than that. You are a spiritual being. God created you much more than just a human, much more than just a body. You are a spiritual being. And God's spirit dwells on the inside of his people. So why do we need to understand this? Everywhere the early church went, their purpose was to dwell in this presence. Their purpose was to live in the manifest presence of God because everywhere they went, things changed. The Bible says that those men turned the world upside down. They preached the gospel. They reached the world with salvation. They baptized people in the Holy Spirit. They healed people, delivered people from demons. They planted churches. They made disciples. They wrote the New Testament. They endured persecution and so much more, all because they carried the manifest presence of God. It wasn't just a head knowledge. It was surrounding them. Peter's shadow healed people. That doesn't happen because you know about stuff. That happens because you dwell in it. And this should be our aim. This should be our goal. Not just so that we can get more knowledge, man. Every day you should be reading, every day you should be studying, but what ultimately should be happening is that it impacts you in a way that you become to know, be acquainted, be in relationship with the God you're reading about. That should be your aim. And when that happens, all anxiety ceases. All the stuff that tries to distract you begins to cease. Because when your aim is him and him alone, when that is the prize. I was texting Cheryl this week. I said, I want a burger. And her response was, keep your eyes on the prize. And boom, I was like, you're right. because the prize isn't the finish line. The prize isn't a physical thing. See, I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're believing for, but my prize is him. I want more of him. I want more of his presence. That's why I'm doing this. I don't like this. My dad came in town Thursday to give me a birthday present. You know what it was? A grill. I said, what am I going to grill right now? Why are you tempting me? I almost feel like telling him, take it back. (laughs) Grill Grill some soup. I'm on the liquid one, okay? That's why I can fit in this shirt. I ain't fitting in any year. Thank you. I always look good though, okay? <laughs> kill my pride, kill my pride, kill my pride. I said, man, I almost want to tell him to take it back. I'm not putting it together right now. No, I can wait. I'm sitting there trying to focus and I'm focusing on the wrong thing. You see, He's not focusing on what you're not supposed to do. It's focusing on what you're supposed to do. Focus on him. And so my prize isn't to get something. My prize isn't to have something. My prize is to have him. That is what I'm keeping my eyes on. So how do we get there as a group? What are some practical things? How do we get there? It's in your notes if you want to follow along there. There are seven ways, and I could dive into all of them. I'm going to try not to. I don't want to dive into each thing. And it looks like a typo. I hope that's not in the notes. Number one, repent. These are the seven ways to obtain the manifest presence of God. The seven ways. Number one, repent. Now, I was having a conversation with someone this week. I said, do you know what the word repent means? And normally when you hear that word, you think, you know, ask for forgiveness. I said, no, it's forgiveness. Repent means to change your mindset. Repent means to turn around, go the opposite direction, and don't go that direction ever again. That's what repent means. And so when you say, Lord, I repent... You're saying, I am going to physically change. I'm going to mentally change. I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go the direction you want me to go. I'm going to stop going this direction. I'm going to turn around, repent, and go that direction. They use this term in the military. They say they're marching, they're marching, marching they say repent, and they turn around immediately and they go the other direction. That's what it means. Turn around, go the opposite direction. That's the first step. You've got to go to God and you say, Lord, I repent. And then you've got to do it. You gotta change. You gotta do something about it. You can't just go, oh, thank you for taking away my sins. Let me go back to the same junk. No, no, repent, turn around, go the other way. That's the first step. Second step is to praise. I could spend a whole seven days on this because there are seven Hebrew words for praise. They all mean different things and all of them have different purposes. So when you hear the word praise, especially in the Old Testament, you got to look it up because it might mean a different type of praise. There's some praise where you're on the floor rolling around like a monkey. There's some praise where you're yelling at the top of your lungs. There's some praise where you're still and quiet and you recognize God is with you. There's seven different types of praise and you've got to learn how to praise God. That's why the scripture we read now opened up with rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because one of the first steps to getting into the presence of God is you got to praise your way in, having that joy. The third step is you got to learn to be still. And that's what God did to me the other day. I had to stop what I was doing. I laid on the carpet and I was still. I don't know if I passed out or not. I I might have. Sometimes that just happens. (sighs) You gotta be still. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. He's saying sometimes you need to quiet your spirit. You need to quiet your mind. Be still in his presence. Number four, read the scripture out loud. Why out loud? Those of you who've been in the city groups, our words carry weight, don't they? Our words have power. When you begin to say something out loud, you're declaring it, it gets into your own environment, it gets into your life, it gets into your ears, everything hears your words, sound travels and words are permanent. So when you begin to speak the scripture out loud, rejoice and again I say rejoice. You say that and you get your Bible and you start or turn it on, whatever you got and you, Say it out loud, declare the word of the Lord, you pray. See, that's not even praying, guys. (laughs) That's just the first steps. Then you start praying. Like he said, with all supplication, you take your prayers, your petitions to God. Let him hear you. Let him hear your voice. Number six, you invite the Holy Spirit into everything. Not just a little part of your life, not just in your quiet time, not just at church on Sunday morning, you invite the Holy Spirit into everything. And when the Holy Spirit's in your life in every way, you're getting closer, you're getting closer, you're getting closer. And then number seven, adoration. What does this mean? This isn't just a type of worship where you know, we, we lift our hands and we're excited and we're singing a song. This is the type of worship where you're adoring God for all that he is. You're adoring him and adoring him and you share your heart with him and then you just worship him. You forget about you after a while and you put all the attention on him. All your attention, all your affection, all your devotion at that point goes to the Lord. Worship to me, come up. Those are the seven ways, if you wanna leave that up there, please. Those are the seven ways to obtain the manifest presence of God in your life. How many of you want to experience God, not just know about him? You want to experience him. You want to encounter him. You want to feel him. You want to hear him. Well, you've got to go to him. You've got to take those steps. If you draw near, he will draw near to you. You've got to take those steps. You've got to go his direction. You've got to start that process, the seven-step process. You can do 30 steps. I don't care. Two steps. Whatever you do, go his Direction. This is just tips. These are just guides, right? Whatever you got to do, go his direction. Put all the attention on him. Let's read the next scripture. Philippians 4, chapter 10, or chapter 4, verse 10. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then this is where we get the famous scripture. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, you thought that was just a fun scripture to quote. No, no, no. He's talking about that when there is nothing, he is content because he has God, and when there is plenty, he is content because he has God. When he is hungry, he is content because he has God. When he is full, he is content because he has God. He's not content because he has stuff. He is content because he has God, period. Then when you get there, then you can understand, I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because it's now no longer through me. It's no longer through my ability. It's no longer through my strength. It is through the Holy Spirit. Through him, I can do anything. See, when you have the presence of God, lack doesn't defeat you. Pain doesn't faze you. Need doesn't bother you. Hunger doesn't control you. Money doesn't sway you because you have assigned the value of God's presence in your life as the primary prize of your life. See, that's what I had to recognize this week is that I had to assign the value of God's presence as the primary prize of my life. If all you ever chase is what man can build or what man can give you, you are chasing an empty tomb. Jesus is the prize of your life. Chase after him, chase after him, speak his word. When you are facing cancer, God is in control. When the bills are getting bigger than you can handle, God is in control. When death is all around you, God is in control. When you are in the best shape of your life, God is in control. When you have more than you need, God is still in control. And when you're surrounded by love and family, God is still in control. You see, God is not in control only when things are good, and God is not in control only when things are bad. God is always in control. His presence is always available. Don't run to Him only when you just can't go anywhere else. He's not your plan B, He's the first choice. God is always in control. That way when those hard days come, you have no question where you're running. You have no doubt where you're going and you have no worry about what you're gonna pray or what you're gonna say because you're practiced. You've already been doing this. God is in control right now. He'll be in control tomorrow. I don't care who's president, God is in control. I don't care how scary things get. God is in control. See, the Bible calls that the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. He's sovereign. It it means that nothing catches him off guard. He's got his hands on everything. You might say, well, If God is in control, how come this happens? How come that happens? How come this happens? Because there's still a real enemy. There's still a real devil. I know the world likes to push away like he don't exist, like hell isn't real, guess what? You're wrong, it does. Jesus talked about hell more than about anything else. He don't want you to go there. He didn't want people to go there. He wishes all that could be saved. And so yeah, some dark stuff happens in our world, all over the place. Human trafficking is at an all time high, but you know what? I know this too, that God is in control and his presence will be at an all time high. I believe the church is waking up. I believe the church all over the world is waking up to the fact that we need God. We don't need everything slick and nice all the time. It's good to have, but more than that, we need God, we need his presence. Let's stand. Oh, yes. Come on, just lift your hands with me. I want us to go there right now. I want us to go there right now. I want us to go after God right now see we know you're in control god we know that you have it all in your hands but right here right now god we say you are the prize of our life you are the focus of our attention we give it all to you this morning whatever may be bothering us whatever may be on our hearts whatever may be weighing us down we give it all to you this morning and say you are in control of it all and this morning we worship you come on just begin to adore him this morning we adore you this morning we give you our whole heart we give you our whole mind and we say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for all that you've done and all that you will do and Lord I just declare victory in this house this morning I declare victory over every person's life this morning every situation that's represented in Jesus name victory in Jesus name. Cancer has to go. Healing come. Cancer go. Healing come and cancer go. We thank you for that. We thank you for peace in the midst of our anxiety. We rebuke that anxiety in Jesus' name and we say peace come. Anxiety go. Peace come. Anxiety go. Oh, that loneliness. We rebuke that loneliness and we say Jesus come. Loneliness go. We thank you for that that. In Jesus' name, I just declare deliverance over our lives, deliverance over our minds, that we would know you deeply. We would know you deeply and intimately, that it would not be a Sunday church religion, but it would be an everyday relationship with you, that we would seek you, that we would know you, that we would find you. Come on, begin to worship him right now. Begin to see, just talk to him right now. Listen, tell them. Oh, your way is better. We'll shake out the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my relations. Oh, your way is so much better. Do whatever do whatever you want to Oh, room you Do whatever you want to All you, you. you oh, lift your voice lift your you praise lift your voice to him Talk to him. Just talk to him. Just lean into him. on him. this room this morning there's freedom in this room this morning I see I see an image like people's tongues were stuck like you couldn't pray like you couldn't speak you couldn't say anything about God You, you were too concerned to bring him up I say there's freedom right now there's freedom right now let your tongue be loosed in Jesus name Be free to speak about him. Be free to bring him up. Be free to make him the center of your attention. Be free to make him the center of your conversation. I see it, I see it. Your mouth is begin to open and declare the word of the Lord. Your mouth is gonna begin to open and speak of his goodness. Your mouth is gonna begin to open and declare how great our God is. Come on, let it out this morning. Let it out this morning. him your highest praise give him your highest praise begin to shout with victory to the Lord give him your highest praise begin to shout and be glad and thanksgiving rejoice and again I say rejoice rejoice and again I say rejoice there is freedom there is victory there is gladness there is goodness there is joy in his presence Oh, rejoice. Sit again, I say. Rejoice. whatever you're believing for, whatever you're fighting for, just begin to thank him that it's done in Jesus' name. Just begin to thank him that you have it in Jesus' name. Come on, if he's your prize this morning, begin to thank him for his presence in this room this morning. Begin to declare that He's never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be with you. Come on, just begin to give him your highest praise, your highest praise. this up this is seven hebrew words for praise the seven hebrew words for praise you ready halal this is where we get hallelujah from (laughs) this is where we get hallelujah from and it means to boast (laughs) to rave (laughs) you see the world has its rave but the holy spirit already has his own rave right it means to boast to rave to celebrate Foolishly. See, some of y'all think I'm crazy up here. <laughs> some of y'all, y'all don't understand how foolish I am. See the halal praise, it means to to celebrate, to boast foolishly. Next one is Yada. It means to extend or throw the hand. It's just that freedom. So when you praise God because you know He's good and you can't contain it. And so physically you've got to. And there's Toda. This means adoration. This means that intimate praise where we're, thank you, God, we just did that. Some of that adoration, it's awesome. And then there's Shabbat, which means to shout. In triumph with a loud tone. See, I like me a loud church. <laughs> you know why? Because that's, that's that Shabbat praise, right? Some of y'all got a loud voice. That you got that natural voice, right? To just be loud. That's that Shabbat praise. That's where you say, "Thank you, God," and you do it loudly. There's no fear. There's no worry. Then there's Barak, which means to kneel down, to salute God. Yeah, the real commander in chief, right? The real person in charge. Zamar, which is what he's doing. See, this is what you're doing. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing with musical worship, with joyful expression. Have you ever noticed when Gilbert really is in it. He's got the biggest smile on his face. (laughs) He's always like. That's Zamar right there, man. Then there's Tehillah, which means to sing in the spirit. Means to sing in the spirit and to praise God with your lips. Man, I did them all already. That was fast. I want more. (laughs) Can there be an eighth one? Oh, rebuke these gnat demons in Jesus' name. See, you gotta learn to praise God. And there's no one way. (laughs) There's seven ways. You know, it's so interesting. Well, I was reading this there are seven ways that you can praise and the bible says that when god does things in your life through your praise that the enemy flees seven ways (laughs) go read that go read that it says The enemy flees seven ways. (laughs) That's because when you come at him with seven types of praise, he can't respond to just one. He's gotta go seven different ways. See, your victory is in your praise. You've gotta learn to praise God. Can I get an amen this morning? No matter what, no matter what you're going through, Good days, bad days. God is in control. So just praise Him every single day. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.